The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome. The NHL season has started. This is being recorded on uh, before it started, but it's being released just before the Edmonton Oilers game. Uh, it's me, Patrick Bexel. I'm joined by Anton Rasegård, staple of um, Habs Eyes Enterprise. But we're also joined by a very, very special guest. Anton and I are very happy to have him here. It's Uffe Brodin, uh, editor-in-chief of one of the most and best sites for hockey in Sweden, Hockey Sverige. Thank you for joining us, Uffe. Thank you, Patrick. It's all my pleasure to, to join you guys. It's uh, always fun to talk hockey, and especially the Montreal Canadiens ahead of this season, because uh, it seems like there are good things happening to that club. Finally. Yeah, finally, right. <laughs> and uh, we, we were just talking here before, and uh, I mean, we were... We were happily surprised to hear that you have a already you already have a relationship with Montreal as a city, Uffe. Yeah, so when I was 20 years old, uh, I hadn't seen too much of the world, but uh, my family had uh, strong ties to uh, a Swedish family in uh, that actually lived in Montreal and, and still live in Montreal. So uh, uh, for my 20th birthday, I got a. a airplane tickets to to go to Montreal so that was the first time I actually visited North America but it's it's a long time ago now it's it's more than 20 years ago so I spent uh, about six months in in Montreal as an au pair actually so yeah it was uh, a start of a sort of a uh, yeah I would say a love relationship because I, I really enjoy uh, going to Montreal and I, I try to go there as often as I can uh, not only because of hockey, but also because I have close friends, obviously, but also just uh, I think it's probably the most wonderful city in North America is the way it blends, you know, European culture and North American culture. So uh, it's uh, it's a city that's close to heart. And it's only me that doesn't speak French now, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, my French is uh, is non-existent. So uh, you're 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 in good company there. Ah, thank you, because I know Anton is more or less fluent. Well, so. well, I mean, I mean, French doesn't get you that far because Quebecois is so, so different from you know normal French. So like, yeah, right. I I had a hard time there as well. Anyways, we're we're here. It's 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 as Uffe says, a very very interesting Montreal Canadiens team that that will suit up. For this year in in the Blanc Blue Rouge, um, for your your first thoughts about it, I know Hockey Sverige has presented quite a few articles, a little bit more than 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 normal about Montreal this year. Yeah, I mean, there's been so many changes. I feel in a mostly in a positive sense uh, since since last year, and also I think uh, the playoffs. Uh, 
I think it left like a, a sign of positivity for for the team, like th- that they actually managed to get in was was uh, quite a task. Playing a, you know a Pittsburgh team that was that was quite the favorite, but I, I just feel like uh, the changes they made, uh, also getting obviously Alexander Romanov to to join the team. It's uh, it it feels like there's like uh, finally, as you as you said, like finally something positive happening and. Maybe this is the year when when things uh, finally align for Mark Bergevin when he finally gets to show that he's actually good general manager, <laughs> which has been uh, you know a, a, a conversation <laughs> throughout the years here. <laughs> yeah, no, and and um, looking at it, you mentioned Alexander Romanov. If we start with 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 Mr. Romanov himself or the Tsars, he's going to be named in in Montreal media. If he isn't already with with that name and that pedigree that he comes from in ice hockey wise, um, what have you seen from him that makes him exciting? Uh, I just feel like he's got you know that uh, two way mentality that that can take him a long way. I would assume that he might you know start on a third pairing on the team and then just climb his way up throughout the hierarchy. And it wouldn't surprise me like. If he plays more than 20 minutes a game, once uh, you know we, we're getting close to the end of the regular season, because I think uh, you know with how he's with the you know mature game that he's been playing for the past two seasons in the KHL, it feels like he's uh, he's ready to to take on a bigger task in NHL. So I just think it's for him, it's probably just getting adjusted to the North American game, and as we saw last year at the World Juniors, I. I I feel like he has something special going for him. So um, I don't know if he's he's he might not be the favorite to to win the Calder this year uh, because there are so many other good Russian there. goalies, uh, for example, and and also forward. Yeah, uh, one that's, forward that's in particular, the, really. Is. Yeah, yeah. Kirill Kaprizov, his former teammate, needs to be to mentioned in that company, obviously. But. Uh, but I think it, it could be the start for, for something interesting. And, and I think this is a important piece for the Montreal Canadiens to, to build their defense around because we don't know how many years, how many more years, you know, Shea Weber has to, to offer uh, at the top level. So uh, I think he comes in at a very important time when, when Weber is still a really good player. So probably, probably hopefully they can uh, build some kind of chemistry and, and uh, he can learn from him. Yeah, that is also mentioned quite a lot, and, and Romanov himself has said that he looks up to Weber. He wants to play like Weber. Um, physically, there there a little bit of discrepancy between them. But how important? I mean, you worked with hockey for so long and and at a, such a high level. How important is it to have someone for a young guy that comes over from from another country to learn from someone that has been so appreciated? I mean, it's always. I think it's always important to have a have a mentor, and I mean, obviously, Romanov is from Russia, and and Shea Weber is, you know, a Western Canadian boy. But I, I still think like hockey is a universal language. I, I don't foresee any problems in in that sense. But I mean, you can just go and look at, you know, the Vancouver Canucks last year when they uh, brought Quinn Hughes uh, to the team, and he had a sensational rookie season at at their blue line, and he he was paired with, you know, a veteran defenseman in Chris Tanev, and they formed a a really tight bond. And I think, I mean, Tanev is not a star by by any means, but he was important just to, you know, uh, like a 
security blanket or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, just to, to make uh, Queen Hughes feel at home and, you know, uh, secure on the ice, uh, you know, giving him, him the opportunity to do what he, what he does best. And it's just, it's going to be the same, you know, with, uh, with Roman. I mean, no matter who he plays with, it's going to be, have to be someone, you know, reliable that can give him, you know, the, the chance to grow and to be, uh, to become that exciting defenseman that we all think that he has a chance to be. Looking at it um, and, and going a step back from, from Romanov or, or behind Romanov, um, Alan is, is one of the additions. How important will he be for, for uh, surging maybe uh, Montreal Canadiens team? Uh, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, it, there's been a lot of talk about how much uh, the Canadians are spending on the goaltending this year, and obviously it's it's a lot of money with with uh, you know uh, him and Price coming in at a cap it of around 15 million. But I mean, like, Carey Price is 33 now. I think he needs uh, to take a step back uh, when it comes to you know the amount of of games he plays, and you know, I mean, they haven't really had a really good solid backup for quite some time now. I mean, it might have to go back to, you know, the Yaroslav Halak years even to to find the kind of talent that I think Jake Allen can bring to this team. So I think it's going to be important, you know, that, uh, you know, that Canadians feel like they have a chance to win, although they don't have Carey Price in that because for the past few years, it's it's almost seems like they've been giving away points when, when he's not been in the net. So... I think it's it's going to add to to uh, to you know just to being a more solid team. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that on the podcast as well because, like Carey Price, obviously knows that when he's not out there, there the Canadians are a worse team. And just having someone like Jake Allen, as you say, who is you know um, who has a different kind of pedigree than a guy like Antiniemi or Charlie Lindgren or Dustin Tokarski. Of, or Keith Kincaid last season. I mean, it just helps to solidify. And as you say, Carey Price has had quite a bit of injuries in the in the past, and it's just good for him to know that he can rest for an extra night if he needs to. And yeah, exactly. It feels like it feels like Mark Bergevin's strategy has just been to rectify his mistakes in all regards. I mean, it's been on forward defense and goalie wise. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, at 33, I don't think it would be optimal for for Care Price to play. You know, his 60 out of 82 games uh, during the regular season because that's that's just going to hurt him in the long run. So if if he can, if they can find a way for him to go down to maybe 50 starts and let you know Jake Allen have 30 uh, during a, a normal year, then then I think it would it would mean it, it would be a huge difference for for the Canadians. So I'm really optimistic about this change. This is more like a SHL season in many ways. It's 56 games. Um, we have seen in SHL partly in regards to a one A one B goalkeeper lineup but also how important it is in the playoffs with Frölunda's uh, last gold two years ago. Uh, when you have a, a, a backup goalie that can come in and actually take over the game again uh, without yeah. any hesitation from from, uh, from the defenders or, or the rest of the team, um, how many games do you expect Carey Price to, to play in, in a 1A, 1B situation um, in regards to your experience from the SHL or covering the SHL? Um, I mean, a season like this with 56 games, I would assume that he plays around 
at least 35. Um, but it also depends, you know, like, uh, obviously you don't want to have him in for back-to-back games and, and I haven't seen the whole schedule, so I, I'm not sure like how it's going to fit in, but I mean, just having Jake Allen there, especially a season like this where, where there's going to be, uh, I mean, the schedule is going to be very condensed for some parts and then, you know, there's going to be stretches where you don't play as many games. So. Um, I think especially a season like this, it, it, it can really help the Canadians and price, of course. We're here with Uffe Bodin from Hockey Sverige, the top um, hockey coverage in Sweden. And uh, the know-how he possesses is extremely good. As you hear, his English is fantastic. Don't hesitate to contact him on, on Twitter or through his email on Hockey Sverige. Um, and on Twitter, it's at Uffe with double F and Boudin, just as it's spelled. I'll put it in the in the intro to the uh, pod as well, so you will see it on the screen when you when you listen to the pod. Um, if uh, Joel Edmondson has played with um, Allen before, how important is that to even if you grab them from two different um, clubs? How can, can they form a bond again, the bond that they had in and, and a very strong bond? It seemed because. Um, it he played Edmondson played better in in St. Louis than he did in Carolina. Well, I mean, the the interaction between the goaltender and the defense is always important. So obviously they're going to have a, some kind of advantage there. In, you know, just knowing each other, I think there's a, a sense of trust. Uh, so just being two new guys on a new team it's probably going to help them you know just being familiar with each other and and it's going to help them familiar getting familiarized with the team as well so i I only see that as that as a positive as well i mean as a hockey expert who follows i mean who who basically covers everything right nhl shl and everything um i mean if you if you just look at the signing of someone like joel edmondson from the outside four years three and a half million average annual value and then you see the signing of uh, Josh Anderson on a seven-year contract with, you know, a reasonably high AAV. Uh, do you think that Mark Bergevin has overpaid for a few of his signings this offseason? Or do you think it can be worth it? Uh, I mean, Edmondson feel like a, feels like a pretty pretty safe bet because I mean he's he's still uh, I mean at a good age uh, and he has I mean he's won a Stanley Cup and and he has some good credentials uh, to his resume so I'm not too worried about that I mean he's the kind of defenseman that you know what you're going to get it's it's his toughest nails and and you know uh, probably makes the Canadians a bit harder to to play against I mean Josh Anderson signing it's it's uh it's somewhat based on potential and uh, they're gonna have to hope that he stays healthy because that's obviously the main concern you know the the injury issues that he has had in the past but i mean this is also a guy that scored 27 goals uh, only two years ago so there's obviously uh, some talent there and and uh, he's been i mean people in the business when they mention him they they talk about you know one of the toughest power forwards in the NHL. So, I mean, if he can stay healthy and, and bring the game that that he's shown that he can play in the NHL, then I'm not too worried. But um, it's obviously a lot of money, so it, it's it's a risk. But I think it's a risk worth taking, especially for a guy like Bergevin, who, who 
I mean, as general manager, he really needs the Canadians to take a step forward because uh, otherwise he's not going to be having a job for, for some time. Looking at, at the Canadian division as a whole, um, there are obviously some other signings that we, we won't focus on because we're going to go a little bit more to Sweden later on. But, but looking at the Canadian division as a whole, um, how do you see it pan out? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I see there are a few teams that I kind of expect to, to be in the top, and that would be Toronto, Montreal. And then we'll see about uh, the Canucks uh, with the goaltending situation, if they can, you know, follow it up. And then Edmonton Oilers and, and the Calgary Flames are two teams that are kind of hard to predict. Uh the Flames obviously made a, a huge splash getting Jacob Markstrom this season. So, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can, you know, give solidify their uh, situation. But uh, um, I think I have them ranked Toronto one and Montreal two, and then it's pretty wide open. I don't feel that the Winnipeg Jets or the Ottawa Senators will have a chance to make the playoffs. But other than that, I think it's pretty wide open. Ah, the Jets are, are, you're low on the Jets. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't have a very good season last year, but they had spectacular goaltending. So, I mean, if Connor Hellbuck can put up another season like that, sure, uh, they got a shot, but uh, it's it's going to be tough for him to do that because he basically carried that team to, to uh, the playoffs. Don't you think that the uh, addition of Paul Stastny can help and solidify Patrick Laine's play a game, or you know, just provide some uh, yeah. a new spark of offense? I'm not too sure about that. I mean, sure. I mean, Paul Stastny has had good seasons, but he's 34 now, and I, I don't know if you can expect him to to you know play that way again. You know, being a 50 point guy. And, you know, the line is situation, obviously, it's curious because he doesn't really want to be there. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that, if if that hurts, you know, uh, the chemistry in the team. Because it's pretty obviously that, obvious that his future lies elsewhere. It's just a matter of, if, are you going to trade him during the season or are you going to wait until after the season? Because uh, I don't think he's going to play his next contract on, on this team interesting that you say during the season because with what we've seen before the season starts and what we hear from the NHL is that it will be very difficult to, to trade a player over the border. Yeah, exactly. That, it's going to be interesting to see if, if that's even you know possible. Uh, that's obviously something that they're going to have to take uh, have to 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 talk about because that, that can be a really uh, hard pickle. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump over one of the questions and, and we'll get back to that later but um, obviously for Montreal Canadiens fans there are two players in Sweden that are are a little bit more focused on for, for the time being but but one of them uh, scored the game winner yesterday and in Hockey Allsvenskan which is the Swedish second division but what should we expect from Jacob Olofsson especially as he is signed with Timro for another year after this? Uh, I think you need patience. It's it's still too early to to really uh, 
to really get a sense of where he's heading. Obviously, all the injuries that he has had has hurt his his development, uh, which is uh, pretty normal. So what he needs is just you know peace and calm, and you know just uh, the chance to to stay healthy and play hockey, and and then we'll see. But uh, uh, I'm not too optimistic about his chances of becoming an an NHL player at this point. Just just based on you know the all the injury trouble that he has had and where he's at as a player right now. And I've compared him a little bit to Jacob Delarose or 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 Lucas Vedemo, sort of the same kind of player. Um, do you agree with that? And and do you think he he has a chance even to get to the AHL, or or do you think Montreal might cut him and and not offer him a contract when that time comes? Uh, so let's see. He was drafted in 2018, so yes. they would have another year yeah. to sign him. I think they need to sign him next May before the summer of 2022. 2022. Yeah. yeah. So that gives him some time, uh, obviously. To to, uh, but he needs to make strides uh, if that's going to happen. That's for sure. I mean, he's going to need going to need to be at least, you know, a dominant player at, at Allsvenskan level or or get back to the SHL and prove himself there. Um, I think that's gonna, going to be needed uh, if he's going to get signed. Um, yeah, uh, he plays with another player that there has been some uh, conversations about, Jonathan Dalén, uh, going back from the AHL into Timro and and we know that the club is is looking at Dalian as well but can you see a similar trend for for Olofsson to get back to that level and dominate the way Dalian has done this year um, there's no doubt that Jacob Olofsson has a lot of potential i mean he was the best junior player in in uh, hockey Allsvenskan just a few years ago and and everything seemed to be going you know the right way for him so I mean, if he stays healthy, if he can avoid uh, new injuries and, and just play and, and, you know, get a good trend. He's on a good team right now. I think that's a good start. So if he can just uh, build some confidence and, and take the next step, then it's definitely not out of the question. But it's uh, it's a long way to go, that's for sure. And another one, obviously, is is one of my favorites and, and one of half of Sweden's favorites, more or less. When, when he's on target, he's fantastic. Uh, he created a lot of conversation in Montreal last year. He did it with the start of the season this year. Matthias Norlinder, two injuries in short time at the start of his SHL career. Yeah, it's been a rough start. I I, I thought he looked tremendous, uh, you know, during the first part of the season uh, before he went to to Carriola uh, tournament in Helsinki in November and and hurt his shoulder. And after that. He hasn't really looked like the same player, and now he's had issues with a knee injury as well. So uh, it's it's too bad. But uh, also, I think this is a guy you you need to have some patience with. You know, just uh, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. So just uh, just let Ferlander take care of him, and, and he'll be just fine. Because that's usually what happens with with young defensemen when when they come to Ferlander. Um, a lot of fans are, are quizzing me and quizzing Anton in different comments sections uh, about is he injury prone? Can you? I mean, neither of these injuries has really been his fault, but can you deem a player injury prone in this when it happened so fast between two two uh, two injuries? 
No, I, uh, I, I, I haven't seen how we got hurt. Uh, the la- I mean, the, the knee injury. I don't know how that happened, really. But, but you know, the the injury and in, in, at the Carola tournament in November that was just bad luck. So, uh, I think it's it would be. Uh, I would be hesitant to call it the injury prone after just two injuries here because otherwise during his career I know he's had some some injuries in the past but I I wouldn't call him injury prone I think that's way too early to make that assumption. You you were super high on him when I contacted you on on yeah. uh, <laughs> before the season started and and we've just seen him in some of the preseason game where he absolutely destroyed the competition um what what really has happened when he reached the SHL? I mean, it's it's obviously uh, tougher opponents than than he's used to, so it's uh, it's always going to uh, going to be a you're going to need time to to uh, to 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 get with it with the, with the level you play on and. Uh, I mean, it looked really good in the beginning, but then you get injured, you you kind of lose that flow that you're in, and and you it's almost like you have to start over again. And and I think that's what happened to him. I, I saw him here in Stockholm just right before Christmas, and to be honest, he had a horrible game against Jurgården uh, here here. And uh, but I think it's it's mostly part due to the injuries because uh, I I feel like when he's at his best, you know, he's he's one of the most talented young defensemen that we have in, in our top league in Sweden. So um, I'm not worried. I, I just hope that he can come back and you know get to play some games and get get to build his confidence back to where it was and, and just build from that because uh, I think he's a tremendous young player and, and I anticipate he will continue to grow like he has grown these past few years. I'm going to be ask you for one of those lazy comparisons that I always hate myself. <laughs> but but uh, could you give the the fans of Montreal Canadiens some sort of idea of of what a player by using an older player uh, that they know about? What kind of player is he? Oh, that's a good one. Um, let me think. Uh, I haven't really. I saw actually someone comparing him to Nicholas Lidstrom. That was uh, that was a bit of a stretch. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I think we all reacted to that article. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't do me any favors. But no, um, I mean, good skater, good two-way defenseman. It's uh, oh, mm, I. I I need to come up with a name here, but uh, it's kind of failing me right now. Um, well, we, we can just say that you know all of our listeners will have to start a subs- subscription with Hockey Value, and they will see your comparison when you actually when you actually <laughs> yeah exactly you have one. to you have to pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I get you coffee next time, <laughs> or or maybe we should try Sounds to get good. that beer when we when when we finally can meet up after the COVID situation has calmed down a bit. Uh, we're here again with uh, Uffe Bodin, um, manager uh, for Hockey Sverige, as you heard Anton say. Um, check that website out. It's really, really good. Um, good analysis, especially if you're interested in more of the SHL uh, kind of things. You might have to buy a subscription. And uh, when, when are you going to have it in English or French, Uffe? 
Yeah, that's the next step, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, nowadays it's so easy to just use like Google Translate and get the hang of it, basically. I mean, yeah. you can just use it on the site. So even if you don't know Swedish, and I know a lot of you guys haven't learned yet, even though me and Patrick are here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just enter the site and read the article because they're really worthwhile. You're yeah, also thanks. part of, yeah. the, of the NHL hour or NHL team here in Sweden, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, so, so what do you think about the upcoming season? Not only about like the North Division and Montreal, but in general. Uh, it's, I mean, exciting that they're starting again, and it's, it's, I mean, it's one of these seasons where it, where it's hard to to predict anything just because they're the circumstances are so strange. Not, I mean, it's weird. I can't lie about that. You know, once again, you know, most arenas will be empty and. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know when with the COVID situation we have obviously uh, experienced this firsthand in Sweden with the SHL or and the other leagues. You know how how the schedule has been turned upside down because of all of these uh, COVID breaks, and uh, you know the the NHL season ha- hasn't even started, and and it's already you know a few teams that that you know uh, won't be able to play uh, the first few games here because of outbreaks within the team so uh i i just hope we're not gonna have to see a lot of that but i'm afraid we're probably going to uh before everyone gets the vaccine so it's uh yeah it's both good and bad i guess it's it's great that they're finally playing hockey again but it's also you know you're kind of nervous about where everything is heading I mean, it is a first, of course. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that, I mean, since the NHL is starting later than other American sports leagues or North American sports leagues, I'm guessing that they will have some kind of, I mean, look at what MLB and the NFL and all the other leagues have done to, you know, make make it work with the travels and all the safety precautions and everything. And I think it helped as well that they actually did have the playoffs. Um, well, even if it was just in Edmonton and in, uh, you know... Um, even the city we never mentioned. Had, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't want to mention that. We, we've already have, had Steve, Steve Dangle on the podcast, so, you know, we can't talk too much Toronto. Uh, but just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that that will actually help, that it's possible to make it through a season, even if you have to take a few uh, deterns or, you know, every now and then. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, um, I mean, if they've made it work, over here, uh, even though it's been kind of a roller coaster, I am sure that the NHL can make it work. It's just a matter of, you know, having some extra time maybe at at the end of the regular season to to be able to play those games that might be postponed. Um, and I don't anticipate that's going to be a problem. You mentioned the Russian invasion more or less with Kaprizov, Romanov, Sorokin, uh, the goaltending duo in 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 uh, Rangers. Etc. Etc. Is that something you're looking forward to to monitor, and and can the Russians keep this up long term? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, for Russia, it's it's an interesting NHL season because uh, there's there's so many exciting players to to uh, to follow in the NHL. You also have. Ilya Samsonov in Washington, who who is uh, gonna be the starting goalie for the first time in in the NHL. So there's a lot of you know positives for for the Russians to to look forward to this season. And uh, it's like 
they didn't have the success that we maybe anticipated at the World Juniors, but there's a lot of good players coming out of that program right now. So uh, I, I just feel like it's going to be more and more, and it's going to be... Uh, Hopefully they're going to keep coming to the NHL because they they make the the league and the sports so much more fun to watch. I mean, speaking of the World Juniors, just in general, as you mentioned it, now that it's ended and we you know it's one week in the uh, behind us basically. Um, what were your takeaways from the tournament in general? Um, yeah, it was so weird, you know, watching it on television. I'm used to be able to go there and watch mm. firsthand. But uh, obviously, as a Swede, I was very disappointed with how the tournament ended for, for the Swedish team. I, I at least thought that they would be good enough to make the semifinals. But uh, other than that, I mean, the American team was was really fun to watch, um, you know, especially in the final, how they shut down the Canadian team was was impressive. And obviously, Trevor Seagrass was, uh, you know, it was a long time ago since, uh, you know, I saw a, a player that was as entertaining as he is at the World Juniors. And the World Juniors is usually all about entertainment. So that's uh, that's saying a lot about what kind of player he's becoming. Will Tampa be able to repeat? Um, and uh, what other teams should we look out for? Uh, I think it's got. It's always hard to repeat in NHL, right? Especially you know because you see like the the injury situation that they they're left with uh, after you know the long run they had. You know, Kucherov is not going to play for for at least the regular season. It seems like, and and they they have have been forced to make some sacrifices due to their cap situation. But I mean, looking at the team, obviously they, it feels like they could win. Uh, they're good enough, even without uh, Kucherov to, to have a, a solid uh, regular season and, and be a playoff team. Uh, but I mean, there are so many other teams that, that look uh, exciting. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, obviously after the, the signings they did this summer are are looking excellent. I, I like how the Vegas Golden Knights look. I think they're actually my my cup favorite uh, in this uh, early going. So um, there's there's a lot of good teams, but uh, I think Tampa might be able to put it off. But it's it's so hard these these days to do it because uh, because of the you know the the toughness it takes to go through a, a playoff like they did. You're a Swedish hockey expert. What Swedish players should we look at for the upcoming draft? That seems to be happening around the normal stage, anyway. Yeah, so uh, there, it seems like there's a lot of interesting prospects uh, this time around as well. And uh, obviously, the the one that's uh, ranked the highest right now is defenseman uh, Simon Edvinson out of Frölunda. Went uh, to my really... school, just so you guys know that that it all <laughs> belongs because we went to the same school. Or I taught at that school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he's a he's a big uh, defenseman, uh, really big wingspan, uh, and you know, good two-way defenseman. I think he he's a bright future. Just both being able to to produce offense and and being able to to defend thanks to his size and. His, you know, take the responsibility he takes at the back end. So uh, that's a player that I'm uh, really uh, intrigued by. 
Then obviously it's goaltender Jesper Wallstedt uh, from Luleå, um, who could potentially be the first uh, Swedish goalie to be drafted in the first round. I mean, we don't see goalies getting drafted in the first round too often, but uh, here's a guy with, you know, what he has shown in the SHL as a 17, 18-year-old. Uh, you know, you don't see you don't see young goalies come up and play like he has uh, too often. So uh, I'd say just, you know, those two are the names that that pop up for me at this moment. What has happened with uh, Fabian Lissell? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's starting to score some goals in the SHL for Lulio now, so so it's uh, it's obviously good for him that his uh, his uh, stock seems to be rising again. Because I know uh, a lot of scouts were down on him for for leaving Frölunda to go to Lulio, and it seemed like that there was some kind of uh, I w- I wouldn't call it conflict, but there were some kind of problems there with him. So I don't know. I, I hear both. Like uh, some scouts really like him, others uh, they don't want anything to do with him. So he's he's very you know he's kind of a a player that that uh, creates he's divisive. Like he creates different camps. So but if he can continue to to prove himself at the SHL level at 17, then obviously he's gonna get some more fans. That's that's for sure. But on the other hand, you have to respect a player that wants to play, and it's tough to get into that front uh, forward lineup, uh, especially when they bring back uh, Christopher Ian from the NHL, etc., etc. I'm surprised that you didn't mention William Eklund from, from Stockholm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was my But, but it, it's probably because Anton is from Malmö and I'm from Gothenburg and you didn't want to brag. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, but he's been phenomenal to watch this season. I mean, uh, unfortunately, he he missed the World Juniors due to COVID and now he's, I think he had an appendix removed here just uh, just a week or so ago. So he's not been playing for the, for the past week. Yeah, but. He had a sensational start to the season, and and he's probably the, one of the most entertaining guys to watch in the whole league. Just the way he protects the puck and and creates offense. It's uh, yeah, it's been it's been you know so much fun watching him play. So he's going to be a first rounder for sure. Uh, if he can you know k- keep his keep his production up once he gets back, he's probably going to g- get a lot of uh, buzz uh, come draft day. Yeah, and it's an interesting year as well because there is no clear-cut number one. So I'm guessing we're going to see from different hockey outlets different number ones. And that will make it so much more fun when it comes to July and draft time to just see if you go for one of the defensemen or if you actually go for someone with a little bit more flair. And we've seen with the rise of someone like Nico Hischer what just what what a prospect can do in a season. And yeah, it will be interesting to follow guys like Eklund and see where they end up in the first round. Yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, like it's not too often we we see you know a situation like this where there are so many players that can actually go number one. I think I've seen probably three or four players uh, at the number one spot on on different rankings. So so it's it's uh, you know and also there's a lot of leagues where they haven't even started the season yet. So there's a lot of prospects that are not playing. So uh, I mean I I don't envy the NHL scouts this season because they're they're in for a really tough task. Um we we have to mention one guy um because he created all that buzz when he was taken out of order in a way by Detroit Red Wings. Um uh, Cider, Maurice Cider in, in, in Rögle 
have you been surprised about how well he's adjusted to the SHL and how good he really is? Yeah, and I and I have to say that I had really high expectations on this kid just based on what I've seen in the past, but he has surpassed them in a you know just sensational way. Uh, I can't really remember last time I saw a, a you know a junior age defenseman being this dominant on the SHL level. I mean, we saw obviously it was different with Rasmus Dahlin because he was you know he was 18 the last when he played his last SHL season, so it's not a fair comparison. But but just you know the maturity and the two way game and you know being able to both defend and create. Uh, I mean. I can't really come up with the name of a you know 19-year-old defenseman in the SHL who has played this well as more has done this season. So I'm 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 actually surprised he's been this good because I at this point I would say that he's one of the best defenders in in the whole league at 18. And he could really lead Rögle to a first championship. Yeah, I mean they are the best team in the league right now. It's it's hard to say anything else, and and he's probably their top defenseman. So yeah, it's uh, it's actually a, a scenario that that feels realistic. We're, we're going to go back. I mentioned that uh, we had a question that that we were going to keep for later, and we started with Montreal. We're going to finish with Montreal. Uff, with your expertise in in Swedish hockey and Sweden in general. And there has obviously been some very successful players in, in uh, uh, Montreal's history. We got Mats Nelson and Sheldaliana sharing the rookie record. And, and uh, Sheldaliana even has the scoring record for a rookie in, in Montreal. And But why isn't there more Montreal fans in Sweden? That's a good question. I mean, if, if you look at the rich history of the Canadians, I mean, obviously there should be more but at the same time it also if you it it's been a pretty long time since there actually was you know this star swedish player on the team so i think that might have something to do with it if you look at the teams that are popular in sweden today you know there's a lot of vancouver canucks due to elias Pettersson. there's always uh, gonna be uh, new york rangers uh, popularity because of you know what Hendrik Lundqvist did to that franchise for a long time, and uh, the team that I can't mention here is probably pretty popular due to William Nylander, and and I feel like you know and, and for for my age and and a little bit of your age because we're the similar age uh, that that guy Sundin that we shouldn't be mentioning either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in Colorado with Peter Forsberg, and you know you can go on and on, but it's it feels like you know the the Swedes. Um, interest in in the nhl it's it's often connected to you know what you know the players uh that are good at the moment so either it's you know the the best swedish players that that you kind of follow and you, you fall in love with the team or if they have like a superstar you know i can i can imagine that Sidney crosby has uh, created a lot of pittsburgh penguins fans in, in sweden as well as maybe mcdavid or creating uh, Edmonton Oilers fans right now. Nah, no one can be an Edmonton Oilers fan. <laughs> <laughs> I know a bunch of them, actually. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you still speak to them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, 
I have some really close friends in Edmonton, actually, so <laughs> I'm forced to. <laughs> All right, yeah. But, uh, most of I'm patting them on the back and, you know, saying, sorry, guys, not this year either. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, they have a, his- a rich history as well, and it's hard to come back from, from you know, losing Gretzky and Nazir and, and all the cups in, in more or less grained up in, in one way. We haven't even watched one game of the NHL season. We're here with Uffe Boudin again. Um, Uffe, last question. Uh, we're, we're timing out more or less in, in a few minutes. But you haven't seen one game and there is one game tomorrow night on, on Wednesday night between Toronto and Montreal. But this will be released on Saturday before Montreal plays Edmonton. What do you think will happen in that game? What's Who will win? Ah... Uh... Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, uh, I feel that Montreal has a really good chance to win that game based on, you know, whoever they're going to put in net. That It's going to be a superior goaltender to the one the Edmonton Oilers put in their net. So I'm optimistic about the chances of uh, winning that game for, for the Montreal Canadiens. So I would say I'd say that they're going to win uh, 5-3. You heard it here first. Montreal wins against Edmonton uh, 5-3 tonight when this is being released. Uh, Uffe, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me.